0: Welcome to episode 217 with my guest Jeannie Bergen. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction, to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show's not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is mentalpod.com. That's also the Twitter name you can follow me at. So go check out the website. You can uh, read blogs. You can join the forum. um, You can uh, take surveys. You can see how other people responded to the surveys. And you can uh, support the show as well. Uh, An update on my uh, condition. I don't know what else you would call it. Those of you that listen regularly know that I've been going through quite a a, a bit of a struggle lately. Um, I'm on about week three or three or four of uh, going off Abilify, which has been a nightmarish roller coaster to say the least. A lot of suicidal thoughts, um, terrible uh, insomnia, um, and a lot of anxiety, And, and then my back going out. Because of uh, the anxiety. Oh, and throwing a little constipation. Well, constipation's better. That, that was too much information to share. Um, and uh, I, I feel like I'm about five percent better than I than I was last week. And, and because my doctor has put mirtazapine back into the mix, um, the insomnia uh, has gone away. Thank God. So I uh, I am sleeping, um, but. The, the feeling of numbness is still there. And um, like I said, it's about 5% better than it was before. But what I did want to share with you is uh, the new therapist I'm seeing, um, she specializes in EMDR. And um, she also specializes in somatic therapy, which helps you kind of get back into your body. And uh, it helps with if you've experienced childhood trauma and stuff like that. And um, I went to her... This afternoon, and it was I don't think I've ever felt so relaxed I just sat sat on her couch and closed my eyes and she she gives you these things that that alternately buzz and you hold one in each hand and something about that stimulation is supposed to help you and she basically just talked to me for about forty five minutes and said, "You know uh, feel yourself sinking into the couch." Um, feel the safety of the pillow behind your head. And, you know, you, all you have to do is be here right in this moment. There's nothing else to, to worry about. And I could feel myself starting to let go. And it was weird because uh, I could feel like certain muscles start. To, I don't know if it was them releasing tension, but I felt, uh, like two or three times like a muscle twitch. And when I got up to, Leave. I a I felt completely exhausted, and I'm still kind of feeling that way now, about eight hours later. Um, but my back didn't hurt as much, and I'm really, really hopeful that this is going to be something that um, that helps me. Um, so, just wanted to give you an update on uh, on that, and um, also wanted to ask any listeners in the Boston area uh, who might have connections to uh, speaking engagements at colleges. There's a group of therapists uh, who are listeners in Boston, and they've been putting feelers out trying to get me some speaking engagements at uh, at colleges, and um, they could use some help. So email me at mentalpod at com, and I will put you in touch with them. Um, I did get the opportunity to speak at Johns Hopkins uh, a couple of months ago, and it, it was... Um, I enjoyed it so much, and it's something I want to do more of. Um, so I uh, would love your help if there's if there's any way that you can, uh, if you have any kind of connection to people that book speakers at uh, colleges in Boston um, or anywhere else, actually. Um, This episode that I'm uh, going to air with Jeannie, we recorded uh, last week. A lot of times when I record an episode, it uh, was recorded months previously, sometimes even more than a year or two, Uh, but this one was recorded last week, Um, and I don't know why I needed to mention that. Um, Let's read some surveys. This is from the Struggle in a Sentence survey, and this was submitted by Slowjo. And about his PTSD, he writes, wishing you could have had the fight so I don't have to fight it every day forever. It's pretty profound. Uh, This is uh, by Killjoy, uh, talking about her anxiety. She writes, My heart bruises my sternum. It is beating so hard. My brain is a swirl of irrational thoughts, and then braiding myself for having these irrational thoughts. It just builds into a cycle of crazy, anger that I am crazy, shame about crazy, etc., etc., a snapshot from her life. She writes, I can't do anything spur of the moment. I am not a fun person. I am not a good person. I have too much anger, jealousy, and resentment. I have spent every day of my life since I was 17 trying to be a better person, but when my anxiety and depression flare up, it feels like nothing I do is worth it because I will always be sick. I will always be a burden. Boy, do I know that. Uh, I know that feeling. You are not alone in, in that. that cycle. That is the one of the worst parts about trauma and mental illness is just it finds it, its little whirlpool that uh, just seems to to drag you down if you're if you're not doing anything to uh, to combat it. This is a struggle in a sentence filled out by a guy who calls himself August A and about being a sex crime victim. He writes, My first girlfriend that I had sex with. She used to brood about raping me until she finally did so and didn't stop for two years. I came from an all-male private school where we were taught to accept all forms of female attention. At the time, I assumed I couldn't be a victim. I thought I was reaping the benefits of a high female sex drive. It wasn't until a bad breakup that ended up in family court did a judge hear my deposition recommended counseling and asked if I wanted to press charges. Letters, MySpace messages, her diary entries, and pictures of my junk that had multiple teeth-mark scars all came out in the restraining order hearing, which was enough to warrant me a permanent restraining order from her. I didn't want to throw her in jail. We were young. I accepted that it was her version of how love was supposed to be like. And then a snapshot from his life. He writes, "'Every woman I meet sparks the same fear of sex assault.' even cordial passerbys and co-workers. I've had positive female experiences since then, healthy family relationships, long-term girlfriends, only female friend pool. Uh, But even a shared smile can bring up those same feelings and make me avert eye contact. Thank you for sharing that, August. Um, This is filled out by Megan D. And about her... uh, trichotillomania she writes i hope that one day i truly feel beautiful again regardless of how much hair i have Uh, a snapshot from her life every time i hear someone say that makes me want to pull my hair out i get a deer in the headlight uh, headlights feeling and want to cry out no you don't you have no idea what a struggle it makes every day feel like but i feel too ashamed and defeated by this disorder to say anything in fear of someone recognizing that some of my hair is missing, so no words ever come out of my mouth during those moments. Thank you for sharing that, Megan. Um, A teenage girl who calls herself Flashlight about her depression, she writes, disjointed and separate, not only from myself, but everything else around me. I totally relate to that. And then the snapshot from her life, she writes, I feel like a brain inside a body that walks and talks and does shit that I don't want to, but I can't be bothered to tell it to stop. Very much relate to this. Uh, Vicki G writes about, um, uh, under the topic of sexual bias, she writes, sometimes I wish that I was born a guy, not in a transgender way, but in a, damn it, must be nice to have a penis way. I mean, guys get to stand peeing up get to stand up uh, peeing that has to be cool and I just want to congratulate you here we are uh, on a a day away from the four or day or two away from the four year anniversary of doing the podcast and this is the first documented uh, evidence of penis envy took us four years Freud you might not have been that sharp Uh, and then this is an awfulsome moment filled out by Pickled and she writes, My mother had been dead uh, for two months. I'm at dinner with my narcissistic father, and he starts telling me about his Match.com account and the messages he's gotten from different women. How one of them is near my sisters and my age. I look him in the eye and say clearly, Dad, I'm your daughter. Mom just died. I do not want to hear about this. Could we change the subject? I said that. He kept on talking about his different Match.com messages from various women. After recovering from my initial shock, I did the only thing I thought could work. I said very, very loudly, how about that Packers game last night? My God, somebody does what I've been doing. There's shame. You have boundary issues. I feel guilty for hating my mom. I will be high by 4 p.m. You feel helpless. I will be in hell by 4.15. Prison was not easy. reaching out to the people and sharing with the other people
1: um this intimate connection where people do stuff for each other without wanting something in return yeah i just i surrender i think i was 28 and that was the first time i ever experienced that and it was amazing
0: I'm here with Jeannie Bergen, who uh, is a writer, and I met you. Uh, I guess it would have been about three weeks ago, a month ago. Yeah. We did Taboo Tales, which is hosted by Lauren Sala, who's mm-hmm. a, a former guest of this show. And uh, I was so moved by your uh, piece that you wrote and read. Um, I thought, let's let's have have her on as a guest. So Thank here you. you are. Thank you. Uh, where would be a good place to start with your story? I'm I'm just going to uh, turn my cell phone to airplane mode. I always forget to do that. Okay. Where would be a good place to start with your story?
1: Um, I'm not sure. Where
0: are you from originally?
1: <laughs> I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, where Lake, about? Uh, Lake Geneva. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you Popular familiar? Popular yeah.
0: vacation spot for those of us yes. from Chicago.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, that's where I grew up. Um, my grandmother raised my sister and I in Lake Shiva until we were 14 and then we moved to Arizona. So it's sort of like half and half, but I always say I'm from Wisconsin because that's where my fondest memories are and my best friends still live back there. And I did not want to move to Arizona. <laughs> so yeah, I ended up staying after high school for undergrad, but
0: yeah. What was, um, I'm just going to move your mic a oh, little bit closer. Is it, am
1: I too far away? That's okay. I okay. Comfortable. Great. So, yeah, cool. That's perfect. Okay
0: um what was what was home life like early early childhood what was that like
1: um i don't have a ton of memories from when i was little um yeah i don't really remember a lot i have very sparse memories from when i was really small um yeah like well one thing well, my mom died of breast cancer when i was three and like i only have a couple memories of her um and it's the rest of it is kind of like a blur until I would say like the first or second grade is when I really start like actually remembering, remembering things. And maybe that's, a, maybe that's normal. I don't know, but I feel like I don't really remember I know a lot. There's a
0: lot of people that are, that are that way. I don't yeah. remember a ton of things from childhood. Yeah. I'll get together with friends from grade school sometimes and they'll just start reeling off all these memories and I'd be like, <laughs> I have about a dozen memories <laughs> from childhood.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and so, was it just your dad raising you then?
1: No. So, my when my mom got sick, my dad left. Um, he was never really part of the picture. Um, and so, that's when my grandma came and she stepped in and started taking care of my sister and I when you my mom got sick.
0: When she came up to Wisconsin and was there for a while and then decided to bring you back to Arizona after your mom passed?
1: Well, we were actually... We were all – we basically – well, we lived in San Diego until my mom passed away. So we lived – in for three years, so I guess I forgot that part. We lived in San Diego until my mom died, and then my grandmother didn't want to raise us in San Diego. She thought that it was too big of a city or something, so she wanted to move us to Wisconsin. Um, so, yes, we were all in San Diego until my mom died, and then we moved to Wisconsin.
0: Oh, okay, then yeah. why then, why the decision to move from Wisconsin to Arizona?
1: My grandma, I think she just well, she had been in Arizona at some point in her life, and she like ran a dude rant, and so she had like fond memories of Arizona um and I think she was sick of the winters. I was going to say, the yeah.
0: Wisconsin winter can yeah. be pretty long and brutal, especially and, if you're coming from San Diego.
1: Right. Well, and shoveling the snow too. She's she was tired of shoveling the snow, and I look back on it and I'm like, why didn't I just offer to help Grandma shovel the snow? And <laughs> it makes me feel bad. Um, but yeah, I didn't offer. The important so. thing
0: is you blamed yourself. That's all that matters.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much.
0: Uh, so what are what are some early fond memories that you that you have of uh, childhood?
1: Um, probably school, I would say. Those are my, like, fondest Um, memories. And it was Was you and your sister? Me and my sister. We actually, we went to separate schools. In Wisconsin, my sister went to a school for the disabled. So we were actually separated all through elementary school and middle school, I guess. And it wasn't until high school that we actually, in Arizona, they had mainstream schools where disabled students went to school with, mm-hmm. you know, normal, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, so we all went to school together. So my sister and I didn't go to school together until high school. Okay. Yeah.
0: And she's older than you?
1: She is. She's a year older, um, but she's pretty much she mentally she's about like three four if that's her capacity level um yeah but she so she has a rare form of epilepsy called lennox Gastaut syndrome so she was born can you
0: spell that for me
1: it's l-e-n-n-o-x g-a-u-s-t-a-u-t okay. i actually don't even know if i pronounce it correctly that's right. um, yeah so she uh, she has a rare form of epilepsy. My dad actually had epilepsy and he had seizures, but that's pretty much all I know about it. But he was norm- like fine mentally, like he was, could, you know, was totally Function. fine. Function, yeah, everything.
0: He could get it together enough to leave the family. <laughs>
1: Yes, his exactly. abandoning skills
0: were left completely intact. <laughs> totally, he'd come out of a seizure and it'd be like, no, this place, this is not my thing.
1: Yeah, my wife's dying. like one yeah. of my kids is handicapped. Yeah, so he- my
0: hips move freely as I walk down the driveway to my running car. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, yeah. So so she, so technically, Edna developed nor- like she developed fine. She started having seizures when she was a baby, but she developed. Her name's Edna. Edna, Edna May. Um, She was named after my grandmother, and I'm named after my aunt, my mom's sister. Um, And so she was okay until about three, and that's when the seizures got really bad and just caused the decline. And so she's just kind of stayed where she stayed at that age mentally. Um, It was weird. One time I found a cassette tape of my sister and I doing ABCs with my mom, and Edna was talking better than she does now. Like, completely fine. Yeah, it was really... I don't even know what I did with that tape. I kind of listened to it and then put it away.
0: (laughs) Was it hard to listen to?
1: Yeah, and it's, like, weird because hearing my mom's voice, you know? (laughs) I'm crying. Yeah. um, Which I'd never really heard before. So, yeah. I guess I should probably find it. (laughs) Sorry.
0: I can't imagine how intense that's got to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, I have, like, some pictures of my mom. I don't know, it's so strange just thinking that, like, there's this person who wanted my sister and I so much, and she didn't get to be a part of that. So she was super young when she died. She was only 33, which is, I mean, that's so yeah. Like, I'm 30 now, so, you know.
0: Isn't that weird when we get to be an age that we remember our parents being?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so
0: So talk about um your relationship with uh Edna May.
1: Um, well, it's really good now. We're really close. Um I just saw just saw her today. We went to the mall for a couple of hours and um it's really good now. Um, but when we were kids, it was much different. I was really embarrassed by her, and um yeah i I didn't like play with her as much as I should have i think and um yeah, but it's it's changed a lot over the years, especially once my grandmother passed away. I kind of had to i did have to step into um the caregiving role and you know take care of her um on my own.
0: And you were how old when that happened
1: um, I was twenty. Yeah, she went to briefly go live with my aunt, um, but she had a drinking problem, and so she couldn't take care of her, and I um, petitioned for guardianship, and then I got guardianship of Edna.
0: I rem- remember um, part of your piece you read, what the hoops you had to jump through to get guardianship of her. Do you want to recount some of that?
1: Um, I'm forgetting what I sa- actually said in the piece. Um well, I had to go. I had to. I had to go to court and petition. Um, and it wasn't until like the ju- until the judge, because no one really believed me. Like my aunt is really nice. Like she's very nice. And no one really they thought, oh well, she's taking care of these two girls. Or had taken because she'd help my grandma take care of us. And so everyone thought that my aunt was just this wonderful person. But she was drinking and passing out and not taking care of Edna. And it wasn't until the judge saw. The bottle of liquor in her purse, and she's she told me later, she's like, Jeannie, I believe you. I saw, I saw, it was a, like, she literally carried a liter of Canadian Club around with her in this bag, and the judge told me, Jeannie, I saw it, like, I believe you, and then it was kind of over with. I don't even know if I shared that in the piece. I'm trying that to remember. Did, yeah. But you
0: shared about the person wanting proof, and you were like, well, my, oh. can I just... Yeah, Bring my sister in to talk to you for five minutes.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, that was actually when I moved when I brought Edna out to California, and so I had legal guardianship in Arizona. And a year ago, her caregiver that was taking care of her passed away, and so I brought her out here and I tried to get services established. And you know, the, just the most ridiculous questions. Like, um, they were talking directly to Edna, and she's you know reading her Winnie the Pooh book, and they're asking her you know spell your name and all these you know. Yeah, basically for proof that she's disabled, and it's so clearly obvious. You know, one of the funniest things, like going to the doctor's appointments, and they ask me, is you know, how many times a week does does Edna drink or smoke? And she's like, <laughs> basically like a three year old. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I've tried cracking jokes before, like you know, just the light stuff, heroin. You know, like <laughs> but some doctors are not. Her neurologist does not does not have a sense of humor. No. So yeah, yeah. And at the the DMV, when they wanted her to sign her name, um, I was like, she can't, she can't sign her name. I'm gonna have to do it for her. And they were like, oh, well, just, just put the pen in her hand, and then you can motion for, and then you do it for her. And it was like this game of charades where I'm, it was just pretending
0: as if she can sign.
1: Exactly. And it was like, no, that's I'm not doing that. And normally I like try and remain very calm, but it's been weird because it sort of helped helped me stand up for myself, you know. Um. Because I think a lot of times, like we just, you know, people, especially in bureaucratic situations or like for the government, people ask you to do things and you just kind of like follow along because it's what you're supposed to do. But it's really ridiculous what people ask you to do sometimes. You have to say, no, I'm not, you know, let me talk to your manager or something. Um, Yeah.
0: What are some things that people who don't live with a disabled sibling, uh, what are some things that they might not know or realize that uh, you go through, or you experience, or you struggle with as the as the sibling. Before we get to the part about you yeah. t- taking custody of her or guardian um, guardianship.
1: Well, I think there's a there's a couple of things. I think that one thing is that how great it can be in many ways, like. Um, I had someone ask me, you know, well, what do you get out of taking care of your sister? Like, why would you do that? And I was like, well, because I love her and because it makes me happy. And there's so many great, like, these small moments of her just laughing at, you know, her Winnie the Pooh movie. Or if she says my name, Jeannie, and she, like, calls out for me. That makes me feel good. You know, that's, you know, that doesn't happen a lot in, like, everyday exchanges at work. You know, work cannot be so fulfilling sometimes. But when you have someone who really loves you... Um, I don't know. It's really, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the other, like one thing, you know, a lot of people tell me don't feel this way, but the guilt, I think there's a ton of guilt. Um, Like I can't, I can't, not that if, I don't know if I could, if, you know, someone had magical powers and said, if you could make Edna fine, like if she has no disability, she's just, she's fine. Would you want to do that? I don't know. I don't. I don't know because it would be so. She would she'd just be a different person, and I love her for who she is. You know, I haven't always, um, but I think the like. Just like the guilt of having her go to, you know, move into a group home or just taking care of her and not being able to, you know, sometimes if she's if she's not feeling well, not be able to know exactly what's wrong. Um, there's just a lot of guilt. You know,
0: I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. how. I don't
1: know if that's making sense. But... It is
0: making sense because uh, it's on a bad day. It's so- it sounds like such a logistical and emotional burden, and everybody has a mean part in their head yeah. that talks to them and tells them bad things about ourselves. And boy, that's some ammo for you to beat yourself up about. What are What are some of the greatest hits uh, that your brain tells you about you and uh, your relationship with her?
1: That I'm not that I'm not doing good enough. That I should be giving more time to her. That Like the weekends are really hard for me right now because I feel like I should be. I don't want her just sitting because at the home that she lives in now, you know, sometimes they just watch movies on the weekend and she's not going out. So I feel super bad if I'm out with my friends. Like this morning, I went to brunch and I had some downtime and I felt really bad not. I was like, well, Edna's probably sitting at the house. So I should probably go get her and just the guilt of that. Like, I know it's good. Like she should have her life and I should have mine, but I also don't want her just sitting in a room, you know, she should be out and, but I see that it's not good for me at the same time. Cause it's like, I need to be able to go and have fun. Um, so yeah, I think that th- that's mainly it, that I need to be giving more time to her and that, um, that's pretty much it. I think. And like figuring out, you know, like she should be getting therapy. Like I should be looking into what therapy options there are. It's just a lot of there's, she needs to get a new neurologist and I haven't really, um, I got the referral last week and I haven't called the doctor yet. So it's stuff like that, that I really need to be on top of. And so there's a lot of guilt when I'm not on top of it as I should be. Um,
0: yeah. Do you ever get to a point where you feel just completely overwhelmed by having to be responsible for somebody who's essentially a, a child?
1: Yeah, um it is it's a, it's a little bit less now because I have people finally helping me, but when she came to live with me and it was just the two of us and I was having babysitters come in, it was so overwhelming. Um How ever, long ago was this? That was it was November of 2013. Uh, yeah. So, and she was with me for nine, nine months. Um, yeah. So it wasn't too long ago. And in August, she moved into her, her group home. Um, but when it was just the two of us and I was finishing up my last year of school, it was, it was too much. I think that I, I look back on it and I'm like, I don't know how I really got through that. I think it was cause I was so Tightly scheduled. Like I had, you know, a full day of classes and had babysitters, and I was running around, that there was no time to really stop and think about what was really happening. Um, But I remember I went to, I had a therapist off campus, but then I couldn't afford to go see that therapist anymore. I didn't have time. I wasn't going to pay a babysitter for that. So I started to go to a therapist on campus. And I remember going to her one day, and I was just like, I don't know what to tell you other than I feel like I'm going to collapse I feel like the stress I thought that I was just gonna drop okay <laughs> um i Sorry. I felt like it was totally possible for me to just collapse
0: I can't imagine what it would be like going through college, and taking care of a disabled sibling.
1: Well, and she, like, Edna's really difficult. Like, she's very stubborn. I mean, we're both really stubborn. Were you
0: paying your way through college, too? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Were you working?
1: I was working on campus. So I had, like, a, a job where I was, it was actually really cool. I was interviewed, like, every Friday I would bring in screenwriters and I would interview them in front of the students and talk to them about, right? It was really cool and I did not want to give it up. Basically like I could have it was this weird thing where I was living off of loans, so I could have I could have said, "Okay, I'm going to take a year off of school." But I was living off loans. Mm-hmm. So that would have mean that I would have to get a full-time job to be able to support myself. And the full-time job I would have to be able to pay the babysitter to come and take care of Edna. So that wasn't gonna happen, <laughs> you know. Wow. So, um, so it was better for me actually to be in school and have the loan money and continue doing the classes, and in the meantime, figure out, you know, what I was gonna. I was looking for a home for Edna because I knew that I couldn't take care of her, um, full, like full time if I wanted to have a job eventually. <clears throat> have you ever gotten in
0: touch with your feelings about your dad leaving?
1: You know, not really. Um, I have very... I guess I'm not... I'm... No, like... I feel like he missed out on a lot. And... I don't even know. I just haven't really thought about it too you just much. just kind of
0: locked that part away and...
1: Yeah, like he left. Like he's never... It's like he... I obviously know he existed because... Or um, exists... I think he's passed away. I've Googled a couple of times and found, like, a possible death date. Like, not a whole bunch of information about him. But I haven't really thought about it too much. I mean, he left when my I just don't... I can't understand a person who would do that. Um, So I don't even know what I would say to him.
0: Or what feelings would
1: come up. Yeah. It's just so weird that there's this person who created me, and I have no, like, we have no relationship. He sent me, my grandmother, a doll when I was, like, seven, and I really liked the doll, and my grandma, like, threw it in the trash because he was, like, he asked her for money at that point. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just can't understand a person who would leave his dying wife and a daughter who was diagnosed with this, you know, epilepsy, and then another daughter— And just peace out. Like, I can't understand a person who would do that. Um, Yeah. So.
0: Give me some some kind of seminal moments from childhood or adolescence that kind of stick out in your mind as being particularly good or bad or bizarre or struck you in a weird way anything that kind of pops out in your mind paint us a picture
1: um well i spent like this is kind of a weird thing that i think about recently because my cousin just told me this recently um something i had forgotten but i spent a lot of time alone when i was little like my grandmother my grandmother and my sister were very very close and um so i was kind of off doing my own thing a lot of the times and um my cousin told me recently, I just reconnected with her, and she was like, yeah, do you remember that time that you ran, a, you ran across the road and you almost got hit by the car and no one was watching you? And I, t- I told grandma, like, Jeannie almost got hit by the car, and then no one, she's like, grandma didn't even realize it, and everyone just kind of went wrong, <laughs> along with their business. And I was like, no, I don't remember that at all. Like, but when she told me that I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like I was just kind of running around doing my own thing and no one was really watching me.
0: So so it sounds like you kind of raised yourself in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think so. Um, but that, you know, my grandma, how how old were you when your grandmother passed away? 20. Okay. I was 20. So you were
0: in school at that time.
1: mm -hmm. I was in my undergraduate, um, back in Arizona. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my grandma was always, th- she was always there for me and Edna. Like we, I remember my aunt would always tell me this, like you and we would get into fights. She would say, well, you have a roof over your head and clothes on your back. I don't know what you're mad about. And it was just kind of, so I was always provided for in that way. But looking back on it, like my aunt was always drinking. My grandma was always drinking. Like I learned how to mix Canadian clubs and se- CC and sevens when I was like, six, seven years old. That's one thing I remember. One of my classmates went to school and said, because my grandma had this like wrought iron liquor cabinet and she went to school and said, uh, Jeannie's grandma's an alcoholic. And, (laughs) and she told everyone that. And then I was really embarrassed and there was like, there had to be a meeting and like all the kids would like, I don't know. I felt like I didn't really have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of friends back then. And then this one other kid made fun of me for not having a mom on the monkey bars, he was like, Your mom is dead. And like, yeah, she, it was so weird. You, you
0: gotta give him points for directness. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, just... And I remember thinking, and I didn't say anything, but I knew that he was adopted and I like, wanted to say something back to him, but it was like so cruel. I don't know. It was just this weird thing. Yeah. But looking at, I'm like, how, Why would I be made fun of for that? I don't know. It's strange. Um, yeah, but I remember like, like Mother's Day. I always hated that.
0: What that feel like?
1: Well, I always felt really. Li- well, one year I actually really liked it because I, um, I wrapped up all my. Gr- I didn't have anything to give her. I was really young, and I wrapped up all of my grandmother's like perfumes with newspaper, and I like put them on the dining room table, and I was like, "Happy Mother's Day!" And she was, you know, happy, but then she was like, "Put it, put it back." <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Um. But I didn't like when it was it <clears throat> was
0: for your grandmother. It
1: was for my grandma, okay. yeah, but it was like her stuff. <laughs> right. so I thought that it was like, here's all your stuff wrapped in newspaper. Um, yeah, and then, but I hated like at school, I remember they had these booths set up where you could buy these like necklaces or whatever for your mom on Mother's Day. And I you know, I didn't. I participated in that, but it always felt so it wasn't real. I knew it wasn't what everyone else was doing. So I always kind of hated that. And Father's Day I don't I just never really paid attention to it. I didn't feel as sad about Father's Day as I did about Mother's Day. Yeah.
0: That makes sense though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So give me give me some snapshots from adolescence that you can remember.
1: Um well well when I was 9 I went to go live with my aunt um, and my uncle, and that was, a, I really liked that time. Cause I felt like
0: I'd prefer to to say you changed drunks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I changed drunks. Yeah, that's what I did. Oh man, <laughs> that's true. Um, it's weird. Like sometimes I'll smell like, I don't really like hard liquor. I've, I drink vodka and I don't think my aunt ever drank vodka. I think mm. it was, that's like the only liquor I didn't really, <laughs> wasn't really around. So I can actually stand it. Um, anyway, um, I went to go live with my aunt an uncle her new husband and i felt like okay now i have a, like a mom and a dad sort of and um that was a really good time and then i met did really your good grandmother friends.
0: need a break is that why you went to
1: i, I think so I think she did. And I remember. Did
0: did Edna May stay with your grandmother? She stayed with my
1: grandmother. I remember my aunt and uncle, they wanted to take Edna too. And my grandmother wouldn't let that happen. Mm. And so we lived like across the lake from each other. So it was like 30 minutes away. So I went to go live with them. And then Edna stayed with my grandma. Um, And then that was for about two years. And then when my aunt and uncle got divorced, we all moved to Arizona together. Mm. Yeah. So they were only married for a few years. Um, but I really liked that time cause like he did activities with us. Like we used to go on the boat and like he would take me and my friends tubing and I would have like little slumber parties and that was a really fun time cause I felt like a kid, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was fun.
0: What's co- What's coming up for you right now?
1: I don't know. It's just weird. Like <clears throat> all those people are gone.
0: I'm gonna charge you for Kleenex. <laughs>
1: Sorry.
0: You are you were putting this podcast in the in the red.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Um Yeah, it's just weird to talk about all these people that are not a part of my life. Anymore.
0: It sounds incredibly painful.
1: Yeah, I don't really ever like I, I don't really talk about it, I guess, so Yeah.
0: One of the things that moved me so much, and the thing that you read about Edna, was how emotional you got when you talked about her. And it was so clear how deep your love is for your sister. And like you described, she has two ways of reacting. Yeah. There's two. Is it no that (laughs) she says? Yeah,
1: she says no, and then she says no, 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 but like really loud, and she shakes her finger. Yeah. Um, And it's really cute, but it's like you can tell she's mad, so you don't want to, like, laugh. But it's really cute at the same time. Um, Yeah, she's just, you know, really sweet Um, and then also really stubborn. (laughs) So um, one of the hardest things when she came to live with me was like she wouldn't want to walk up the stairs. And so I would have to carry her up the stairs, like, one by one. And that was really hard. That was one of the hardest parts about her living with me. Um, yeah.
0: <clears throat> what, what are the issues that you struggle with?
1: Um, issues. <laughs> um, I think one thing for me, like I've constantly, cause I feel like I have had to parent myself in a way. And so I'm really, really hard on myself. And so I have a lot of negative thoughts, like, you're not doing this good enough. Um, you're not doing enough for your sister. So I've tried to, like, you know, I actually just tell myself, shh. I just say, shh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's, but it's it's helped a little bit. And I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing to not think. I don't think negative things sometimes. Maybe that's helpful. I don't know if that, I don't know.
0: You don't know if it's... If, if
1: it's helpful, like, maybe it's it's good that I'm hard at myself, you know? But it's sometimes it's where I'm being mean to myself, like, you're really fat, or you need to lose weight, or, you know, you're not doing enough for Edna, and it's like, I know that I'm really trying my best, you know? Um,
0: yeah. I gotta say, you know, I'm in awe of people like you that put themselves through college you know, while you're taking guardianship of your disabled sister. Um, you had your, your father abandoned you. Your mom died when you were little and you just keep going. I know, you know, I, I know, yes, we do have to keep going. It's like, what's the alternative? Yeah. Um, but Can you see how strong you are? Do you ever stop and go, I'm a bad motherfucker?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've only recently kind of been like, okay, I can be proud of myself. I've only recently kind of allowed that to happen. Um, but I still feel like I didn't do good enough.
0: She, Jeannie has taken her glasses off <laughs> About 40 times to Sorry. dab her eyes. I don't know why she keeps putting her glasses back on. <laughs>
1: that's are true. You gonna,
0: are you going uh, no re- to re- read a legal document for us? <laughs>
1: yes. I have prepared. It's um. kind of adorable. Um, <laughs> I was really hoping. I didn't even think, actually, that I was going to cry, but that's happening.
0: It was one of the things that was so moving uh when you read that piece was you had such a hard time getting through it and the audience i mean we were all so so moved uh by it and your connection to your sister and how complex um it was the the things that you had to go through uh with virtually no support
1: yeah yeah um it was r- yeah, I'm so thankful that, like, my, I didn't, you know, my friends stepped in when they could, um, but there's so many things that, like, pe- like, I didn't want to share, like, just, like, I remember when she first came to live with me, people were like, how can I help, like, um, can I give you money, and it's, I didn't want that, I don't, didn't want to be pitied, yes, I needed money, because, like, the babysitters were so expensive, but I didn't want to be I didn't want. I don't want people feeling feeling sorry for me. Um, so that was yeah. It was really hard because I felt like I was. I couldn't share exactly what I was going through because then it would make it even worse. Like people would feel really bad. And yeah.
0: The the genie folded uh, this story of Edna into another story about a guy <laughs> that you were. I don't know is was dating the right word fucking No, <laughs>
1: fucking I guess. Yeah. I don't know what we were
0: doing. But it, it it was it was great because it was so frank. And um you just seem really like in touch and unapologetic about your sexuality. Um where do you think that comes from?
1: Um I think just being I mean I guess just embracing that that was fun, you know, and just really feeling good about that, mm-hmm. <laughs> being slapped in the face with a dick, I guess. I don't know. But it. I don't know. I felt, because I feel like that stuff, like, that, and that's, <clears throat> that's what people, you know, you have fun, you get to have sex, but then it's like the heavy weight of, you know, taking care of my sister. It makes me feel so much older. Um. And so I think I can be more open with like sex stuff because it's like okay now I can I'm a young person mm-hmm. and I'm crying. <laughs> saying this. It's like not fun at all. Um, I think that that's it. You know, it's, does that make sense? It,
0: yeah, I I think for most of us it's like that's a place where we can go. Where for me it's like you know going to going to see a great movie or playing a great video game it's something I can lose myself in for right. an hour well sex would be more, five <laughs> minutes but yeah um yeah yeah that freedom of just uh all the all the bull- bullshit kind of goes away but you, you were um i don't know if I would use the word graphic uh in it but um there was just a uh it w- it was such a a beautiful um Contrast to the heaviness of your life. And I don't know if that, if that's a road to, to go down in our, uh, where where do you, in, in our discussion? I don't know if it's an important topic. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about or elaborate? Um, or is there any other aspect of your life where you're able to let go of all the heaviness and the past and, all of your um responsibilities and negative self-talk
1: i don't know i mean i really don't i don't know and that's probably a problem that i don't have like a lot of i don't i don't think so not not right now where i'm like really letting go i don't think so
0: like on a scale from one to ten how satisfied are you with your life
1: Um, probably a five. Probably a five. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What areas would you like your life to be more satisfying in?
1: Um, my love life, I guess. Um, no, not I guess. I really, yeah. I think that... Are you lonely? Yeah, totally. I think that, for sure. Um... Yeah, and it's like I don't want to be that person who's like, I'm 30, all of my friends are married and have babies, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm that person. (laughs) Um, But then last night I had dinner with another girlfriend. I think that's where I'm happiest is when I'm with my friends. I think that's where I can really let go. Um,
0: So that's not how it used to be, like when you were a kid and you were kind of a loner, didn't have a lot of friends.
1: Yeah, I had like – That's changed. Yeah, totally. Like I really – It's also changed in that I actually tell people what's going on now. And I think with my sister coming to live with me full time, it really, I had to tell people what was going on because I couldn't do it totally on my own. Um, I had, I had to have people know, um, so I could have some support, even if it was just like someone being, you know, saying you can do it, you can get through it. I mean, just simple things like that actually like really helped me, um, before, I didn't really tell my friends, like, what was going on. Um, and middle school friends, you really embraced Edna, and, like, she would go out <coughs> with us and everything. Um,
0: so, was that a little bit of a reprieve from um, being embarrassed by her?
1: Yeah. I mean, it yeah.
0: It felt amazing. Excuse me.
1: Bless you. <coughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, and people who, like, my friends who came over to the apartment, and um, it was on Christmas, my it was like a month after Edna moved in with me and my friends surprised me with this. I was supposed to hang out with one of my friends, Nicole, and she was running late. And then I see her outside and I was like, Oh, Nicole's here. And I really didn't even want anyone coming over. Cause I, it was to have people come. I was already taking care of Edna. And then that meant I would have to clean the apartment and like, look halfway decent and like, be able to like chit chat about normal stuff when I wasn't, fe- you know, mm-hmm. feeling normal. Um, And I see Nicole and then I see my friend Chanel and her boyfriend Andy and they were like carrying a Christmas tree and all these presents and it was just, it was so great. And they came inside and Edna went up to Chanel's boyfriend and they were like holding hands like he, you know, you could tell he felt a little like, she's holding my hand because Edna doesn't really talk too much. And he just let it happen and was so nice about it. And not everyone is like that. So that was really nice. Yeah. And I was like, Are you sure it's okay? And he's like, Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) You know, so it's good to have people like that. You know, that meant a lot to me. At some point I'll stop crying. It's okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um yeah, I mean I would like to meet someone, um, but dating is super hard. It's horrible. Um I like I went on a date the other night. And I was really excited because the guy was from Wisconsin, too. And I was like, oh, this is great. I really want to meet, like, a nice Midwestern guy. And then I told him a little bit about, like, my family, and he just completely shut down. Like, he changed the subject immediately, did not want to talk about it. It was very strange. Mm. That's happened before.
0: Well, good to get that out of the way. (laughs) Weed him out right away. You don't want to find that out after you've moved your shit together.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> what are you looking for in a guy?
1: Um, someone who's nice and understanding, um and just like a good have a good sense of humor. Um, you know, I think everyone likes to laugh, but I think if you can laugh at like really dark stuff and make fun of life, um, that's important, you know? Um, I don't know, I just haven't had a great time dating here. But a nice person <laughs> say say that again just a nice person i would like to meet yeah. but i've met really and then i've met nice guys who are interested in dating me but i don't have any feelings for them so. <laughs> yeah
0: what do you think that's about
1: i don't know they're just kind of the nice guys that i have met that were interested they were just kind of like boring and they didn't really have a sense of humor yeah They're too boring. Are
0: you attracted to guys that are a a little more chaotic than the nice guys? Maybe. Like, who have you dated guys that are, um, what was the most exciting guy that you dated and what was he like? The guy that you were the most, you know, made your heart race the most, or the sex was the best, or Um. you couldn't wait to see him.
1: Well, probably most recently, it was the younger guy that I talked about in my story. He was like 25. and This so- is the
0: guy that slapped your face <laughs> with his, his dick. dick.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I like hid my Spanx under his sink. <laughs> yeah.
0: Why did you hide your Spanx under his sink? Because <laughs> you-, oh, <laughs> you took them off yeah, and you I- didn't want him to know you were wearing spanks. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: That's handy if a pipe bursts. Spanks <laughs> will just... <Spanx> are
1: just- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, but so I just hid them under the sink and then that was really fun but he was like you couldn't (laughs) i'm like you couldn't have a conversation with him but like i'm stuttering right now as i say that but um he i don't know he just wasn't he was really fun to sleep with (laughs) but he wasn't you know someone that i would want to hang out with all the time and
0: converse (laughs) would he was he a boy toy
1: I guess. I guess that's what he was. He was very good looking. And I was like, I don't know why this person wants to be with me with my Spanx. (laughs) So yeah, he was really fun. But I guess that I haven't really one guy that I had like amazing sex with. um, He was, he ended up going to jail. He had like a coke problem that I didn't know about for like a year. So I guess I'm not attracted to the best guys. (laughs) But I was also 20 when that happened. So I feel like. Yeah, um. So,
0: when you picture the perfect guy, mm-hmm. if you do, what do you picture in a in a partner um, that you hope for? Well, I know you said nice and understanding, right? Sense of humor,
1: yeah. Um. Well, there is someone who I don't know if I should talk about it, but there's someone who is. I think is perfect. Um, but he has a girlfriend, so that wouldn't never happen. Um, but I think someone who's just really like relaxed and can kind of like take, I remember one time this person, like we went to, we had to go to the emergency room together and he was in a lot of pain, but he was like cracking jokes the whole time. And, my ex that I was with for a long time never would have been like that. He would have been angry and yelling at me and it would have been my fault or something. But this guy was just like making jokes. Like I wrote down um, for emergency contact. I put unicorn. Like we were just like being playful. Yeah. Like that's what I want. in even though we're friends, like that's what I want in a relationship. Like just someone who can, cause shit happens, you know, like you burn your hand <laughs> and you have to go to the emergency room and to have someone with you that can laugh. I think is
0: especially at the darkness and yeah. the, and the bad cards that come your way.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you and you've been dealt a lot of tough cards. Mm-hmm. You you were dealt a tough hand to play.
1: Yeah. Totally. But I'm sort of ready. Like even though that's a big part of who I am, I think what I would like is to be able to tell someone that, and then to be like, okay. I'm glad that you got past it. Good for you. Like, what's in the future? And you don't
0: f- want to. You don't want to dwell on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got married when I was like, well, twenty. I got engaged. I didn't engaged. know that. Yeah, I got. I don't really talk about it like a ton. Um, I got engaged when I was 23, and, um. I don't know. It was always kind of like I always felt like he felt bad for me. And maybe it's maybe I felt bad for myself. Um but I don't want that. Like, you know,
0: being pitied is the is the worst. It's I've been going through really bad depression lately. Uh-huh. And you know you're supposed to tell people when you're f- feeling bad. Right. And I, long story short, I, I went off this med, mm-hmm. and the side effects were horrifying, terrible insomnia, oh. no enjoyment out of anything, really? lots of suicidal thoughts, and it still and and it hasn't really passed yet. Mm-hmm. And when I converse with people, they'll say, "How are you doing?" Yeah, and I don't want to tell them because I don't want to be pitied, right? You know, when I when I talk about it on the podcast, I'll say I'm. I'm not doing this for sympathy. Right. And it's 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 like a catch 22 because you're supposed to connect to people but the very thing you're supposed to connect with them over you you don't want to talk about cuz it's you're so fucking tired of thinking about it. I'm so tired of thinking about uh, is this ever going to get better? Am I going to feel suicidal the the rest of my life is everything that i enjoy going to fucking suck mm-hmm. um is my only highlight of the day going to be my first cup of tea how how long how long can i endure a life that is like that and when you like i bumped into this woman that i know from chicago at the grocery store today she's like what's going on and i just i, I was like same old, same old, you know, mm-hmm. and she told me everything that's going on with her and and I couldn't wait for the conversation to end because it just felt like um th- this is why people isolate
1: mm-hmm.
0: when it's dark right when when we're just looking at that hand, whether it's temporary or permanent, that is shit, um mm-hmm. what do you do when when you're just in that dark that dark place and Are you able to?
1: Well, I've done, I mean, I've totally isolated because it's like you can't, because in that situation in the grocery store, you can't just be like, well, I feel like, I feel like, you know. I've
0: thought about killing myself 50 times a day for the last month.
1: How are you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because people, what, what do they do? You know, but
0: but i mean like yeah. even close friends at my support groups they'll uh-huh. say how are you uh-huh. and maybe one or two of them i'll say you know the suicidal thoughts are still there right. i'm still not enjoying really much of anything mm-hmm. and i'm just i'm i'm just riding it out but a lot of a lot of the other people that are close to me i just i can't get honest with them because i don't want to fucking talk about it
1: right right Yeah. I mean, for me, I've, I've just isolated myself. I mean, I mean, I've had friends. I've probably not, there's been a couple of friendships where people have been like, what can I do? Can I do anything? And I'm like, just push them, push them away because I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. But then there's also the right people that you feel like you can open up to and that you feel like even though they can't make anything better, they are there to listen. Um, But I've, you know, I've totally isolated myself and shut down and, um, yeah. I mean, my therapist was like, you, I really think that you need to go on something. Like, especially when I was taking care of Edna, she's like, I think you need to go to a psychologist and you need to really talk about this. But I've been so scared of going on a medication because I was like, I've gotten through this much. Um, I can keep going. Um, I think I'm okay now, but I think that, like I have battled with depression. Um but I just haven't I haven't gone on anything.
0: Do you ever get suicidal?
1: Yeah, I mean I've I've thought about it. When I was um when I was younger, I took a bunch of pills. Um I was like nine. I know I was a little bit older than that. And I um it was okay. It was really weird because I took all of these antihistamines, they were my uncle's antihistamines. And then they took me to the hospital and then they were like, we don't, you don't have anything in your system. You're, you're fine. Um, But I had to do like the whole chart They gave me like charcoal. Um, but I've never, I haven't tried anything since. since How often do you think
0: about suicide?
1: Um. Not not now. When I, when I was taking care of Edna, I was like, well, maybe it would just be better if I died. But it was like, I can't die because I have to take care of Edna. Right. So it was like the thing that was making me feel...
0: Overwhelmed. Yeah. It was the very thing that was keeping you. Boy, that's a... Exactly. Wonderful catch-22. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife just shared yesterday that when she texts me from work, if she doesn't hear back from me right away she's afraid that she's going to come home and find a body.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: And that had never even occurred to me that, that that's something that she would go through, which is another thing that I hate about when the depression is really bad. And I'm not like this all the time. There's just every, I don't know, maybe once a year or every couple of years, Mm -hmm. I hit these troughs that are, that are really difficult. And I feel bad that I either don't or can't summon the mental energy to put myself in her place to be more empathetic towards her but cuz it feels like I'm I'm like hanging on to a to a cliff mm-hmm. with my fingers right and to do anything other than just trying to get through the day feels like having to take one of those one of those hands off is that yeah. do you ever feel like that
1: No, (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, I have, I think it's a little, it's a little less, it's less now. I really, I mean, I think I I felt that way more so when I was really in it and just kind of like getting by from day to day. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, and trying to be there, I felt like I was being a terrible friend to other people because I couldn't, I didn't even know what was going on in their life. I was like, I can't, I have so much going on, you know, um, yeah.
0: What do you do to get to get through the day when you're in that place that's super dark and you feel overwhelmed?
1: <laughs> you just keep going on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I sleep. That's.
1: I, yeah. I, I sleep. But I,
0: I look at somebody like you who has so much more responsibility than I do. Fortunately, I have a life where I can sleep, where I, I don't have kids. Yeah. You know, I don't have yeah. a nine to five job i can sleep you've got a lot more on your plate what
1: i mean that's that's what i've done just sleep just sleep and just shut the lights off and just stay in bed but i can't do that i mean i can do that now i couldn't do it with edna um
0: how far away from you is her home
1: 20 minutes so it's really close um But even, I mean, even when she was with me, like she would get, she's, she gets tired a lot from her medication. So she would take naps and I would take naps at the same time. And then I would be like, I shouldn't be taking a nap. I should be working. (laughs) So, yeah. You
0: sound like you're so hard on yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's pretty much what I've done. It's just sleep, um. There was a time, I think, that I probably drank too much, but now I can't do it. I feel like I get old. (laughs) I am old, and I get hungover way too. And then the whole next day is shot. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Not very well, obviously, if I'm crying this much.
0: So, are you currently
1: in therapy? no (laughs) (laughs) Um, what do you
0: think about going to uh therapy
1: well i want to i think i want to find a different therapist i liked my therapist i think part of it is that i had already told her so much and so i didn't want to start over with another one because i didn't want to go through the whole thing again so i was like well i've already been with her for this long um but, like, I remember one of, the, one of the pieces of advice she told me. She's like, well, I know you're really angry, so you could get a lot of pencils, and you could snap the pencils. And I was like, yeah, I could do that, but that sounds really stupid. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, def- I should probably go back.
0: How often do you feel sad?
1: Um, a lot. Do you, do you feel sad a lot?
0: I feel numb a lot i actually don't feel uh, before i ever got medicated i felt sad all the time um but my depression manifests itself in just feeling numb just feeling nothing except um maybe anxiety um or frustration Mm -hmm. um but not necessarily angry just uh just kind of a pointless a kind of a pointless um endurance of of the day,
1: yeah
0: uh, I'm actually feeling okay right now. my cup of tea worked, and I played hockey, so mm-hmm. I'm thank God, I have a little bit of uh endorphins going through right now, but today uh, before before I got my first cup of tea in me, I must have thought about suicide thirty times and not like. Am I going to do it just like that's always there? Mm-hmm. That's always an option that's feeling like cornered by my life and that's the exit that's the exit sign like in a in a comforting way to to um i guess relieve the the stress
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but I've been in that place where where it's sad where i was just crying all the time and it seems like you're in that you're in that place right now i think maybe medication or a different therapist could or both could really help you with that
1: well it's weird because like that's the problem is i just keep going and then i don't when i like i haven't talked about any of this stuff like and i was really actually angry at myself for crying at the sh- at the show, because I was like, oh, this is... You know, I knew I was telling a dark story, but I wasn't really... Ex- I was like, oh, I'm not going to cry. And then I started crying, because I haven't really talked about any of it mm-hmm. for a long time. And I was writing about it, but then I also stopped writing about it, because I think I didn't want to deal with any of that stuff anymore. Clearly, I need to deal with it.
0: When was the last time you saw a therapist?
1: Um. Right before I... So, December.
0: I, you know... I say find another therapist if this one's not clicking for you yeah. and you don't feel like you completely trust this therapist. Yeah. I think I think changing therapists and you live in Los Angeles, there's a gazillion yeah. to choose from. Totally. Um I found a a new one because I wanted to do EMDR uh-huh. and I went through the uh Psychology Today website. They have a therapist finder uh-huh. and I typed in EMDR. Uh-huh. And then found one uh, near me, and you, you know the bunch will come up with the search of what you're looking for. I wanted uh-huh. somebody that has experience with uh, childhood trauma and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can read like a paragraph about them. So that that was really really helpful to me. But mm-hmm. you know, I think you deserve to feel better than you're than you're feeling. And um, man, you've been through a lot in your life, a lot.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's EMDR?
0: Eye movement uh, desensitization reprogramming. I think is what it stands for, and basically, it's a way to reprocess trauma that's been wired into your brain. It's a way to rewire it when your eyes move back and forth. Uh-huh. If you talking about talk about events that were traumatic while you're moving your eyes back and forth, uh-huh. it can actually rewire how your brain. Um, feels about the event, and really? it, yeah, it's had uh, amazing results, uh, especially with our returning combat veterans huh. and people who've experienced uh, childhood uh, trauma, especially sexual trauma.
1: I've never heard of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know how long it's been around, but uh, some people swear by it. Uh. I, did, I did a couple of sessions with uh, a therapist uh, uh, two years ago, and I felt some relief from the few sessions that we did. I had to leave her for other reasons Uh because she was scatterbrained and would let her dog come into the sessions and it was distracting and making noises and I was like, I was starting to get resentful at her and I was like, this is, this is, so if you want somebody who has uh, experience with how to let therapists go, (laughs) email me or call me anytime (laughs) because I've gotten quite good at it. And Any good therapist will be will congratulate you on making the tough decision to mm-hmm. to move on so if any therapist fights you on leaving yeah. that's proof that you need to leave
1: right right
0: you know I mean they may ask you a good therapist might ask you a couple of questions is is there something that you're afraid to to talk to me about mm-hmm. um, at least that's what I would imagine i I don't know but from the from the um a few times I've decided to to move on it was always Scary, but never as bad as I thought it was gonna to be to to have that conversation. Right. Because it's all about what we're what we're comfortable with and what we what yeah. we want out of it.
1: Yeah. I think I just really haven't like made the time for it. I think that's a huge thing. You know, I'm working a lot and I just haven't made the time for it. But yeah, it's you know, it's gonna come up because it's then once I start talking about it, then I start crying this yeah. much, you know?
0: Somebody tweeted something really funny. Uh this guy tweeted, I can spend one week's salary on a therapist or one month's salary on a prostitute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which do you think makes more sense? <laughs> oh,
1: my gosh.
0: Do you want to uh, trade some fears and, uh, yeah. and loves? Mm-hmm.
1: Do, I wrote them down. Okay. Is that okay? You want to break them out? Yeah. Do I have mascara all over my face? Sorry. No, you've
0: done a good job of dabbing. <laughs> okay. hmm. Yeah. I almost want to take a picture of all the clean. Oh, you've been using this, a single Kleenex, or do you have no, a pile on your left? I'm piling. I'm yeah. piling and
1: crumbling. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm crying so
0: much. No, this is uh, hopefully a, a. I'd consider it a compliment that people feel safe enough to, to cry here.
1: And use all your. I think the
0: <laughs> listeners appreciate when people's defenses come down. I know I, know I do. That's why one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on—I knew you were going to be a huge crybaby. <laughs> like, well, she's a baby! I got to get her on the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know what? I I almost wish for when I'm in that really dark place is like a friend to 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 say something like, "Let's go new shopping." You know, let's yeah. let's find an encyclopedia of knots and figure out which way you're gonna like that's what I want that's what I that's how I want what I'm feeling to be dealt with between me and another person that's mm-hmm. the only thing that because I can't I, I'm have I have trouble laughing mm-hmm. um and the only thing that I can really laugh at is something that is dark and true mm-hmm. and kind of fucked up mm-hmm Are you the same way?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really bad at, like, pretending. I have to get good at it with work now, but, like, pretending to be in a good mood or, like, happy or thinking that something's funny when it's not. I had someone say to me, like, oh, you're not liking this at all because I'm very (laughs) – but I wasn't liking it.
0: We had a waiter last night (laughs) who was, like, the stereotypical struggling actor trying to perform while he's taking your order and it was i said to my wife on the way home that guy was you couldn't pick somebody that is more exhausting to be around when you're depressed mm-hmm. than somebody that is needy oh my god. for for laughter
1: yeah <laughs>
0: yeah uh hit me with some fears
1: okay i didn't pull them up totally i was okay. still dabbling my nose oh my god um are we just traded? we go back and forth yeah i I don't
0: have any written down so i'll try to think of some but
1: okay sorry (laughs) it's all right um i fear that i will die before my sister and that there will be no one to look after her that's my biggest fear uh
0: i fear that i will lose patience and uh kill myself when uh sunny skies were right around the corner Yeah, then then you do one. Why? Um Did you want to say something?
1: No, I just don't want you to do that.
0: <laughs> I don't want to do it either.
1: I don't understand.
0: It's just a fear that I have.
1: Um Okay. Um I fear that I won't ever be close to God again.
0: I kind of have a similar fear and that I, I fear that I've, that the reason I've been so depressed lately is because I've become a less spiritual person and I can't even see it. And so that I am really to blame for my depression coming back and I'm blaming my body instead.
1: I've totally felt that like, yeah. I've wondered that, like, oh well, I've let my relationship with God go, and so this, this is. Mm -hmm. But I also can't force it, you know. Um, Sorry, keep crying.
0: Um, I'm jealous how how easily tears are able to come (laughs) to you. I don't know if it's easily, but um, how much you're able to to cry i'm just
1: crying this yeah. does not i have not cried this much in a really long time maybe since the show i did <laughs> no it wasn't that much but i just don't yeah i don't really cry too much i cried the other night after my really horrible date <laughs> pasquale my lyft driver i was just crying in the front <laughs> seat <laughs> i don't think you could tell because i was kind of like i put my hair in yeah. front of my face and just started like <laughs> yeah um, I keep the our,
0: the, our episode our, between the, the, <laughs> my suicidal thoughts and your endless stream of tears, we may we may lead a dozen people to jump off bridges. <laughs> Can you put your uh, your oh. phone on airplane mode?
1: Oh, how do you? Okay.
0: Go to settings.
1: Uh, airplane.
0: Yeah, air, airplane mode on. Okay, yeah. sorry. That's all right. Otherwise, we I get uh, buzzing.
1: Okay. Oh my gosh. Sorry.
0: And it makes me suicidal. <laughs> I
1: love to drop the <laughs> Sorry. What
0: a mess. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about you losing fluids. That's how much you've cried. I
1: just can't believe I'm crying this much. Yeah. Okay. Um
0: You we- are you are safe from having a sinus infection <laughs> for the next five years. Your sinuses <laughs> have drained so much tonight.
1: No. <laughs> I'm so gross right now. I'm sorry. Um, should I keep going? Yeah. Yeah. Give me another fear. Okay. Um, I fear losing my memory.
0: God, I definitely have that one. It, uh, I fear, um, losing my mobility. Um, on top of all this other shit, my back has been going out. And I don't know if it's from stress or tension or whatever. Uh huh. But, um, uh, I have a, a, um, what's called spinal stenosis which mm-hmm. means your your spinal column is very narrow so mm-hmm. you get pinched nerves and stuff more easily than the average person yeah. and so i just i have this fear that i'm going to i'm going to get to this point where my back will never be able to recover and so i'll then I'll be in back pain and have mm-hmm. to take meds or right. whatever and then have to dance that dance as a as a recovering alcoholic so i have this fear that that's looming on my horizon and that's one of the greatest hits that comes when I'm getting into that place where the suicidal thoughts are coming, Mm -hmm. that's one of the ones that comes up over and over again is where your health is fucking consistently day by day Mm -hmm. going downhill. And it's, and it's, it's only going to get worse so there's another reason and then then the other one that comes up is that the the globe is running out of water for some reason that one keeps coming up and I'm I'm like do you really want to be around while people are waiting in line shooting each other for a gallon of water get, to get through the day right. you know and, it, and it's going and it just it take whatever negative piece of news there could be so i'm trying to avoid the news but <laughs> You know, and then I have these moments where I'm like, "Okay, this is ridiculous. this is just the darkness talking to me, and I try to put myself in that place where um when my life has been clicking and I'm feeling connected mm-hmm. and enjoying everything and and things don't feel like an effort, and I enjoy woodworking, mm-hmm. and I remember, okay, you were in that place one time. you can get back to that place before, and that's that's kind of the cliff that mm-hmm. i that I keep my my fingers on mm-hmm. and i don't want to make it sound like i'm i'm ready to kill myself mm-hmm. i'm not ready to right. kill myself right i'm just in that place where it's it's a persistent thought mm-hmm. when when that
1: mm-hmm. when that
0: feeling is there because i'm feeling very self-conscious now that i'm that i'm being overly dramatic and i'm i'm um trying to get sympathy
1: no i mean it's in a weird i guess i've never talked to anyone who just has said that about you know talked about suicidal thoughts um it's like this is going to sound awful but it's like it's this is going to sound awful but it's refreshing in a way because it's like i've totally i've had those thoughts and there's been times in my life where i've thought about it constantly Mm -hmm. but i never wanted to tell anyone because i thought oh they're gonna say I'm crazy, or
0: not gonna to want to be around me.
1: Not gonna to want to be around me, or I'm not gonna be able to take care of Edna. Um, and I knew I wasn't gonna do anything. I was just thinking about it all the time.
0: Yeah, that's that's where I am. You mm-hmm. know, my my uh, therapist said, "Are you planning anything?" And I'm like, "No, yeah, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I have no plans for anything. It's just the this re- recurring." Thing. It's it seems to be the only thing like it, it's like it, there's an ache and it's the only thing that seems to that can be applied to that ache mm-hmm. is the idea of of that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's kind of where, where I'm at. Yeah. Um, give me another fear.
1: Um, sorry, I'm typing my password. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fear that I won't ever find anyone to love me. Like, I feel I will have friends, probably. I feel like I can very much end up being, you know, 40, 50 and not have kids or a family, a husband. I fear that.
0: This one is so fucking superficial. Uh, I'm afraid the Chicago Blackhawks are never going to win another Stanley (laughs) Cup. (laughs) <laughs> and that they're just going to get worse and worse and that uh, eventually they'll they'll become so bad and there's no cause for for this to be a thing but I enjoy watching them and um I'm just so afraid that that pleasure in life uh, is going to go away because they'll be they'll be so So bad. I actually enjoyed watching them yesterday and today. So I might be getting better Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: last week I couldn't even, I didn't enjoy playing hockey and I didn't even enjoy watching hockey. And those are like my two favorite things to do, but I enjoyed watching hockey yesterday. So I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm on the upswing. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Very hopeful. Yeah. But that's a pretty superficial one, but it's (laughs) when you, you know, when you, When you have days where the things that bring you pleasure, you could hold in the palm of your hand, Mm -hmm. um, and one of them goes away, it's fucking scary. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Like when I go and have my cup of tea that hopefully gives me like a two-hour window of feeling good about life, and I I don't get that caffeine buzz, Mm -hmm. I fucking hate that. I hate that. That's like, come on, universe, can't you even give me that? Can I get an hour out of this day where I feel a sliver of passion right but Th- that's when the suicidal thoughts get like okay universe you is this what you want? Is this what you fucking want? How was that for a long fear?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Give me another one of yours.
1: Um, I think I ran out of once I wrote down.
0: Let's do some loves. Okay. Let's turn this negativity <laughs> wagon around.
1: <laughs> Hopefully I'll stop crying during this one. Do you want to go first?
0: Um. God, I just had one. I was listening to a song the other day. And there was something that a singer did in it. And I was like, oh, I fucking love that. And now I can't remember what song it was.
1: I don't know. Give me one of yours. Um, I really, this is really silly, but I love the way trees look when the sun is setting behind it. It's like one of my favorite things. Mm. I love it.
0: I love when you order a pizza and it's too hot to eat at first and then that first big bite you can take when it's cooled off just enough that it it's just below burning your mouth hot
1: yeah. i like that but i still eat i'll eat it if it's like really oh, yeah. hot and just burn yeah you just horribly
0: chew with your mouth open really wide
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah um another love um i love the ocean and it the way it makes me feel really safe I always feel like I could be going through some horrible thing and I'll just go to the beach and sit there and I'm so much better.
0: I'm that way with the with the beach but also the mountains. Uh-huh. I love like sitting by a stream in the mountains. I don't think I've ever been in a bad mood mm-hmm. sitting by a stream. Mm-hmm. But soon there won't be streams because of climate change.
1: <laughs> no option. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'll go
0: up there to commit suicide, say, well, at least I'll, my last moment, and it'll just be a Dry Creek bread.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
0: Give me another love.
1: Um, I'll have to look. Um, I love, well, I love the way my sister, she, when we're riding in the car together, she taps her feet to the beat of the, like, her her right foot to the beat of the music. I love that. I think it's so yeah. cute. Cause she, you know, doesn't really talk a bunch, but it's little stuff like that. Like I know she's more there than she gives than she mm-hmm. gives off, I think, or that she can express. And so it's little things like that. I love yeah. that.
0: Uh, I love people who don't run away from responsibility. People like you.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: and people who put themselves through college. That. That I really love because I I look at that like, to me, that's like climbing Mount Everest in sandals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, I feel like I did put myself through college, but I'm not totally done because it's like I have to pay all these student loans off. So it's like I'll be doing that for the rest of my life, you know, Um, so it should be, yeah, it should be much cheaper to go to school, I think. It, it, it just
0: seems to be getting more
1: and more expensive. Yeah. Well, and back in Arizona, I didn't go to a junior college, but they have really good junior colleges back there, and Arizona just cut all of the state funding for the um, junior colleges. Of course. It's it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, we got
0: wars to fight, Jeannie. <laughs> no we got people to bomb. We can't be educating.
1: <laughs> That's pretty much Arizona. Um, we got
0: a world to police. Oh, man. Who is it? I think Barry Crimmins is this comedian. He, he was on stage one time and, you know, he was doing some stuff that was critical of the U.S. government. And this person said, Well, if you don't like America, why don't you leave? And he said, What? And be a victim of our foreign policy?
1: <laughs> That's so good.
0: <laughs> Isn't that? A, I was jealous when I heard right it. In the I was moment. like, that, Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's really good.
0: Um, is it my turn for a love? I think so. I love being honest and in a way that's unapologetic. And even though I'm gonna second guess myself about which I always do when I inject myself into the into the episode and my issues or whatever I'm going through, I will go through a period of that on the on the drive home and go, Oh, why did you have to be Mr. Look at me? I'm a sad sack. I have suicidal thoughts. I I I love when I can quiet that voice in my head and just be completely honest about who I am, mm-hmm. where I am, what I'm at, and what I'm going through, and be heard, felt, and and seen without without apology. I mm-hmm. love I love that feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost like um, I don't know, like coming clean, like letting go. It's mm-hmm. like a, a feeling of just, ah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, where and, and especially where somebody's not going to try to fix me. I think a lot of times that's why I don't open up to somebody or to specific people
1: mm-hmm.
0: is because I don't want somebody I don't want to feel like I'm on the operating table. Right. You know what I mean? And somebody's gonna Well, you know, have you tried uh grounding up uh soy nuts and drinking and it's like <laughs> I'm the one of the reasons that I'm so depressed is I'm tired of my mind spinning about ways to feel better. Mm -hmm. And can't you just make a joke about a gun or a noose?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. What's so weird is that everyone is going through something. Everyone. And some, you know, most people don't say anything about it. And I don't know why, like, we're all just trying to, like, fix. Like, when I hear you talk about, you know, suicidal thoughts, I feel like I want to. It makes me sad. But it's also, like, I understand. I've Mm -hmm. You know, I've been there um but i don 't want to f- i don 't want to tell you to be quiet i wouldn't want someone to tell me to be quiet um but everyone's has everyone has something i 'm rambling, but everyone has something they 're going through you know
0: everybody does and and I feel blessed in many ways and that I have an occupation where I can be honest about it where it 's actually well I got something to talk about on this <laughs> week 's episode i 'm right. not going to be at a loss for words. Um and that I that I don't have the stigma of of that you know there's so many people where their careers could be in jeopardy if they got super honest about what they think and how they feel mm-hmm. and and the issues that they're dealing with so um I feel, I feel very uh, lucky in mm-hmm. in that respect mm-hmm. I think we're lucky here in Los Angeles in that it's almost a badge of honor in the creative arts that's oh you're you know. You're tortured. Well, maybe your art will be better. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sadly, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: There's this song, I think, um, it's Nick Hornby, and it's like, maybe that's why it's it's called From Above, and it's talking about, you know, maybe that's why songs get sung, maybe that's why books get written, basically, because you're tortured. (laughs) You're
0: you're fucked up and you're in pain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think
0: about that sometimes. I think, well, yeah, if there wasn't drama... We wouldn't have movies. We wouldn't have... Mm-hmm. Um, if there wasn't pain, uh, pleasure wouldn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't depression, euphoria wouldn't feel as good. Right. Um, but I just wish I could control the length. Right. The length of it. But I guess this is just one, one more surrender. You know, there's so many things that require our surrendering. Um, every time you think you're done surrendering to something that you can have no control over, there's another thing, mm-hmm. there's another thing coming up.
1: Well, that's, yeah, I'm always constantly worried. Like I'm like, any anytime there's ever like a moment of happiness or things are going okay, I'm like, oh no, this isn't gonna last for very long. Yes. Something horrible is gonna, yes. be. it's coming along.
0: I'm just a fool being set up again right. for the rug to be pulled out from underneath me. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you my experience is the more I work on stuff, the longer the stretches of being able to enjoy stuff and quiet that, that voice. I've actually been been able to get better at that and to enjoy the groove when I'm in it, even knowing this isn't going to last forever. Right. The darkness is going to come back or whatever. Some setbacks going to happen or some wrench is going to be thrown. Right. Um I but I I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm second guessing the living shit out of myself right now.
1: Oh, I, I do I do that, yeah.
0: Um uh, give me another love.
1: Um I love cheese. <laughs> <That was> like, <laughs> when you
0: lived in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah
1: I like really love cheese though. What's your I your like breaks of cheese. Um I really like this want this uh, cheese from uh Trader Joe's. It's really good. I'll it's, just eat it's it by raw cheese. So it's made of sirah. Oh, oh sirah. Yeah. Of yeah.
0: uh, the wine sirah. huh
1: mm. It's very good. It's delicious.
0: Um I love a perfectly grilled uh cheese. Perfectly grilled grilled oh, cheese yes. sandwich with the mm-hmm. with the right be- it's really got to be on shitty white bread to be <laughs> to be really perfect. Um, yeah. Uh although a good sourdough can mm-hmm. be uh, can be really good. Um, give me one more.
1: Um, I love having my neck kissed. It's like one of my favorite things. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's a nice thing.
0: That's a nice one. <laughs> That's a nice one. Well, Jeannie, thank you for, for coming and, uh, opening up. Crying. <laughs> <laughs> Being a blubbering baby. Soaking my nice wood table <laughs> with your salty tears. Um, uh, I'm I'm really glad that our that our paths crossed, and um, you definitely feel like a kindred spirit. And I and I think the listeners are going to feel that way too. I think a lot of the stuff that you shared um, on this episode is going to resonate with a lot of people listening, and I think it's going to bring them comfort, or they're going to roll their eyes and puke. <laughs> One of the probably. two,
1: probably. <laughs> Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks, Jeannie. Many many thanks to uh, to Jeannie and uh, she uh, gave me a really sweet picture to post on the website of her with Edna so if you get a chance to visit the website and and see that picture it's really sweet uh, before I take it out with some surveys and an email, I want to remind you guys that there's a couple of different ways to uh, support the podcast. Um, if you feel so inclined, you can support us financially by going to the website, which is uh, mentalpod.com. You can make a one-time PayPal donation, or my favorite, become a monthly recurring uh, donor for as little as 5 bucks a month, and it really, really helps uh, keep the podcast going, and it means the world to me. Um, you can do it uh, right there from the link to it is on our uh, homepage. You'll see it. It says Donate to PayPal, and so just click on that, and um uh, another way that you could uh, help out lately, it, we haven't been getting a lot of uh, ratings on iTunes, and that would uh, greatly help if you could go there and uh, write something nice if it feels true and uh, give us a, a good rating because that'll boost our ranking and get us on the homepage of, of iTunes, which brings more listeners to us. So that doesn't cost anything, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would uh, if you would go do that. And anything short of that, go fuck yourself. How about that? How's that grab you? Uh, I felt like there was going to be a third thing that uh, would have wrapped it up nicely, and turns out there was nothing. Uh, Let's jump into... Oh, you can also... uh, Oh, who gives a fuck? I'm so exhausted right now. Uh, This is... An email I got from a guy who calls himself Mark, and he writes, uh, I am on the D&I team at my office. I don't know what that means. Uh, I think it means dicks and intestines, but I could be wrong. I'm on the D&I team at my office, and I was asked to read a diversity message and talk about it at our last meeting. I chose to speak about mental illness. I read some brief facts about the fact that one in five Americans suffer, etc. After reading the message, I, to a room of co-workers that I barely know, confirmed that I suffer from mental illness. For the record, I suffer from depression, social anxiety disorder, and body dysmorphic disorder. I told them I wanted them to see whatever they thought depression was or looked uh, like, uh, that they may be wrong, and it looks like the smartass who sits in the corner cubicle. They were all very comforting, talking about people they know who suffer, and even asked me to describe body dysmorphic disorder, which I did, and uh, asked how I combat these illnesses. I talked about therapy, meditation, and studying Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I was scared to identify myself to basic strangers, but I got rave reviews and uh, even and. Many uh, have even asked outside of the meeting about my martial arts studying, so it does appear even the people you barely know do care. Warm my heart to read that. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. This is uh, a struggle in a sentence filled out by Jenny, and she writes about her codependency. Do I thank mom for the generous offer, or do I spit in her face for trying to use me to feel important? This is the uh, same survey filled out by Jessica, and it's certainly more than a uh, sentence, but I really like what she had to write and uh, about her bulimia. She writes, uh, I have been taken away from this world by an abusive force, food. It's my everything, my every thought, my lover and abuser. It's been 20 years now since I first felt that high from throwing up. Seeing the results from my binge in the toilet and feeling like I've done a good job getting it all out of my body, or like I've done horribly and I must get it all out. Bending over trying to fit food into my body when my stomach is in pain. I'm so full because I'm not done eating yet. Wait, my eating disorder wants me to eat one more thing. Thinking to myself, it's okay, Jess, just get it done, then you can go to bed. Just listen to your eating disorder, Jess, then you can rest. I've ruined my life with bulimia. I've ruined my life. I've ruined my family with bulimia. I lived a fake life for a while, getting married, having children, working as a registered nurse. Me and bulimia were secret buddies my whole life, and now it's out in the open, and I've never been so scared, ashamed, sad, and run down, seeing the effects it has taken on my body over the years. I've had many end- end- endoscopies to dilate my esophagus due to all the scar tissue only to be throwing up later on in the day. My stomach doesn't work right, and I have to stand up and push on my perineum with my hands to have a bowel movement. Oh shit, it's been way more than a few words. Sorry. And about her anorexia, she writes, I'm important when I'm underweight. Um... And then a snapshot from her life, uh, her baby had had an accident, which it it survived and was okay. But uh, she writes, the emergency responders took my baby out of my arms and everything in my head went to my baby, my baby. She can't die. Did I eat that cookie this morning? You better not have. You better not have food in your stomach. Thank you so much for that, Jessica, and sending you uh, a big, big hug. Uh, This is an awful some moment that was filled out by Alex. And uh, she writes, I was uh, was in the hospital emergency department after taking an overdose of painkillers. It was a Friday evening and the waiting room was busy, but they took me straight through. A nurse came and said she needed to take a blood sample. I hate needles so much and have paranoia relating to what they do with my blood after they have taken it too. She was so friendly and chatted to me as she prepared the needle and vials. I offered her my arm and she did the whole arm belt and swab thing. And then she started to attempt to take a sample and nothing happened. For some unknown reason, my blood was staying put in my veins, so we tried again this time on my hand again. Nothing came. The third attempt was on my other hand, and she still couldn't get more than a few drops out of me. By this point, she is apologizing over and over, and on the fourth failed attempt, we both start giggling at just how absurd this situation is. It was truly awfulsome, my worst nightmare, and there I was in the middle of a serious depression, in hospital, in fits of giggles. Eventually, she gave up and got a different nurse to try it and of course, that other nurse managed to get the sample they needed on the first try. Thank you for sharing that. I actually passed out one time i was uh getting um they were checking my uh i, I was out of breath all the time and so I went to have tests done at cedar Sinai and they couldn't you know they they want to measure your oxygen while you're uh exercising and um they do that by getting samples of your blood uh, while you're exercising, but they couldn't find uh, a vein in my hand. And they just kept poking me and poking me and poking me. And then I eventually started to faint. And they're like, "Ah, I think we're just going to do this test without it. This is from the What Has Helped You Survey. And this was uh, filled out by a woman who calls herself Silly Girl and uh, her issues or struggles are my mother was very emotionally abusive and she drank quite frequently when i was younger she had an awful childhood and abuses i think to deal with, and abuses i think to deal with the rejection she got from her mother ironic that it came full circle back to me and my sister i get terrible bouts of anxiety depression headaches nausea etc i also like wrapping my arms around my mouth and biting hard until I get big red welt until big red welts form. sometimes they scar and bleed. Um, I, I had trouble wrapping my head around you, wrapping your arms around your mouth. I guess you you're just talk, you're talking about biting your arm. Uh, what has helped her to deal with them? I clean a lot. I get nervous and start cleaning everything in my house, even things that are already fine. I'm trying hard not to deform my arms because my sister lives with me and she knows my triggers. I want her to know I'm fine. I feel safe with her because she has diagnosed depression, so she gets it, but sometimes I feel guilty and ashamed that my sister is burdened with the knowledge of who I am and what I do to myself, as if her journey to mental wellness wasn't hard enough. Thank you for sharing that. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Rotten Teeth. He is straight. He's in his 20s. He was raised in a stable and safe environment. He's never been sexually abused, never been physically or emotionally abused. Um, Darkest Thoughts, he writes, well here we go. For almost as long as I've had sexual feelings, I can remember having sexual fantasies about my family members, mothers, sisters, aunts, cousins, and grandmothers. Uh, I was going to say, and even grandmothers, but I think this is already way into weird slash shock territory. I've always been so embarrassed and humiliated by it, but it's been the thing that turns me on almost more than anything else. Most of the porn I've chosen to watch tends to be incest porn or other older woman with younger man porn or and usually both. I honestly don't really know why, there's been no abuse in my childhood, not even things that I could stretch and say, well, maybe it was. My home was really stable, especially in comparison to stuff I hear from friends and from the podcast. All the kids got along, dad was always employed, parents are still together, happily married, everyone except me has gone to university and gotten degrees, etc. I guess there's stuff that makes sense as catalysts for this screwed up fetish. I grew up in a strongly conservative religious home, so at home and in church, sex was always something only to do in marriage, and you only marry the person that you love more than anything else. So in a way, I think I've always linked sex slash lust with love, which isn't always the case. So I think with that, growing up with my mom and sisters and a grandmother who lived with us for a while, those are the women in my life that I love, so my brain links that with sex somehow, maybe. Because my parents are religious and have views they do about sex, they hated the way the school system talks about it in health class. They thought it was too obscene or blunt or something. So they'd always find a way to take me out of those classes. That isn't really a problem in itself, except they never did any teaching on their own in the home. So I knew nothing about sex. My choices were either the internet or friends. I was too paranoid about browsing history and ISP traces and blocks, etc. to even Google sex, and I was too embarrassed to ask friends. So it wasn't until I was 16 that I actually learned what sex was. I had always figured sex was just really passionate kissing and that genital stimulation was optional. Uh, in parentheses, he puts, oh man, I sound so stupid right now. So even though I had been masturbating for quite a while by that point, I hadn't looked at porn yet and I was just going off really weird, uneducated fantasies. So I guess I've always been screwed up with sex stuff. Since I was a teenager, I've had a pretty strong porn addiction since then and since I found out about internet proxies, and I feel like it's really screwed me up. I don't know if this addiction caused my depression or if it just makes it worse, but it is definitely a negative influence in my life. I guess to end this bit with a positive note, I've been porn-free and haven't masturbated since the start of February. Hopefully, I can keep it up. I haven't noticed any mood changes, except there's a lot more pockets of time that I have to fill up with something else now. Darkest Secrets I go into my mom's room and my sister's rooms when nobody was home and try on their bras and imagine what it would feel like to undress them and have sex with them. Boy, am I screwed up. Uh, sexual fantasies most powerful to you, fantasies with older women, oftentimes with a mother figure. Positions don't really play a factor in the fantasies. It's usually just the thought of having sex with my mom or sister or aunt that gets me off. I feel like a degenerate, a true disgrace and embarrassment to myself and to my family. Even though it's something I'm working on and trying to leave in the past, it's always going to be a memory, and I hate that I can't outrun that. What, if anything, do you wish for to be normal or to cease existing? Well, I got news for you. There's no normal. <laughs> there is no normal. Um, we can all wish for that. And I have for many years wished I could be quote unquote normal. But um, anyway, uh, have you shared these things with others? Haven't shared this with anyone ever. Even if I somehow built the confidence to talk about it with anyone, I wouldn't really have anyone to talk to except my family. And I just can't imagine it going well at all. How do you feel after writing these things down? It's good to finally get it out there. It's also good to remind myself that I'm working on it and that hopefully it can be one less glaring flaw I see in myself. You know, first of all, I want to send you a fucking big warm hug and let you know that you are okay. You are okay. And as far as what, you know, there's no sense in working on what turns us on because we're never going to be able to reverse that. Um... But the, the thing that it sounds like you're working on, which is good, is the compulsive masturbation. Um, you know, m- masturbation and moderation is certainly uh, healthy and normal, um, but it sounds like you've realized that uh, the, the porn addiction wasn't good for you and you're trying to back off of that. So, dude, high five. I say fucking high five. Uh, this is an awful moment Filled out by a woman who calls herself the Candlelight Helps. And she writes, I had had a rough day and needed to get out for some fresh air. I drove from school to a nearby mountain bike trail for a walk. About halfway through the walk, a friend who I was avoiding called me on my phone. I didn't answer, but just the thought of his voice instantly sent a burst of rage through my body. I started walking faster, then slow jogging, then sprinting down this trail in my school clothes. Uh, After being on the trail for an hour, I realized I was going to be late for my first therapy session with a new therapist to treat my depression. I quickly drove to her office and got there right on time. She asked her initial questions, what are you here for, do you have any major problems that could be the source of depression, and then looked down at my mud-covered shoes and pants. She asked where I was coming from. I responded with, I was at a mountain bike trail a little while ago. She asked why, and without thinking, I calmly responded, I was burying a body. She didn't catch my dry sense of humor and immediately stood up to reach for the phone. Long story short, I have a new therapist. <laughs> that one might have to go in the Hall of Fame awfulsome uh, moments. Thank you for that. Um, hey, oh, a good awfulsome moment always feels like Christmas to me. Uh, this is from the What Has Helped You survey and this is filled out by uh, a guy <laughs> this is maybe the most bizarre I've ever name. Jared Pedlecki actually is a moose, is the is the name that, uh, maybe that's a reference to something, but that's the name that she used. And she is 15. And uh, her issues are uh, depression, uh, minor social anxiety, and anorexia. And she writes, although I'm not a 60-year-old lady, I enjoy knitting, not making anything, just straight knitting. I don't care if I make mistakes, but knitting, knitting keeps me busy distracts me and when I get in the zone I can knit for hours. When I'm feeling very depressed I enjoy laying next to my dog while he sleeps and just petting him and listening to him breathe. It's very soothing. I agree. I love curling up with my dogs or taking a nap. I love how excited my dogs get when they know that I'm taking a nap. They can see I'm taking my shoes off and I get on the bed and I sit down uh, and (laughs) they just start running around and then they kind of start fighting each other like there's a better place on the bed, you know. Hilarious. Uh, This is from the same survey and this is filled out by a guy who calls himself um, What Question. Um, He is straight and he's in his 60s and uh, his issues are uh, marital inequality and poor communication and what helps him is uh, one night a week Singing "Barbershop" uh, and a chorus of fifty men. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I've never been a huge fan of the of the barbershop, I but I appreciate how uh, complex the uh, the harmonies are in that. I remember being uh, in in school. I think I was in like third grade, and for some reason, like fifth graders came in with us for our music class, and we were supposed to sing this song. and I remember this kid that was sitting with me; he was a fifth grader. He said to me, I'll take the melody, or you take the melody, and I'll take the harmony, and I didn't know what either of them were, and I was so embarrassed, and here I am, you know, 40-some years later, still have no idea how to sing a harmony. Know what it is, but don't know how to sing one. This is from a struggle in a sentence filled out by a kid. Uh, He's between 10 and 15, and he calls himself Dorf on Coke. I'm a fan already. About his anxiety, he writes, Anxiety is staying up until 1 a.m. when you have to be up at 5 a.m. reading article after article about Tim Burton's forthcoming remake of Dumbo to take your mind off of the fact that you have bipolar disorder. Um, And about uh, compulsive behaviors, he writes, I make myself nearly late for work just about every morning because I take so long to masturbate in the shower. The fuck are you doing going to work when you're between 10 and 15? Um, although I started work when I was 15, snapshot from his life. I had a bipolar episode. I wonder if his his age actually is between 10 and 15 because this snapshot from his life does not sound like he's between 10 and 15. He writes, I had a bipolar episode in which the police were called on me and then spent the following weekend maniacally obsessing, manically obsessing over Richard Nixon's secret tapes, listening to them obsessively for two days whole and documentaries about Watergate to take my mind off of the guilt. I have since started taking Lamictal and feel much better. Uh, and then he asked, are there any episodes um, which focus on the manic side of bipolar? And uh, I would recommend the episode with Brody Stevens. That's a good one. Uh, and it focuses on a manic episode that he uh, he had. This is from the Shame and Secret Survey. And this is filled out by a, a woman who calls herself Get Laid. Get paid, get laid, Gatorade. And she is by. She is 23, and she was raised in an environment that was a little dysfunctional. Uh, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Uh, Yes, and I never reported it. This was a long while ago, so I don't remember everything too well, but when I was somewhere between five and six, my older cousin would molest me. I know it happened for years, almost every time I went to their house in a different state than my family lived. I would be playing with my younger cousins, his siblings, downstairs, and he would take me upstairs, lock the door, and strip me naked. He would then get naked and put me on top of his body. I remember things happening, but I don't remember specifically. She's also been physically abused and emotionally abused. She writes, when I was in middle school, I was bullied terribly. I was called terrible names, isolated, beat up by the boys, made fun of by the girls, hit with a metal gate that possibly gave me a concussion, and I was touched sexually by one of the boys and told that if I said anything to anyone, they would brutally murder my family and my pets. The girls watched as the boys touched me and molested um touched me and molested during class under the tables, and they would call me a slut and dirty and talk about how they would never let a boy touch them like that. Later on in high school, I was targeted by a man who forced himself on me sexually. After a gym class, the man stole my book bag and ejaculated all over it. I'm not sure why he did it, but I know he wanted me to give him a blowjob, and I wouldn't. Any positive experiences with your abusers? I feel an unnatural desire for my abusers to like me and accept me as a person. I have just started going to therapy and talking about it, but I minimize the hell out of it and somehow think it was more my fault than theirs. They didn't do anything, and I just need to get over it, which is so textbook, by the way. Um, Darkest Thoughts, Killing Myself. Darkest secrets. My childhood was an extremely sexual one and was perverse when I think about it now. Unfortunately, uh, to try to soothe my uncomfortable sexual feelings as a child, I began to rub and dry hump my younger male cousin. I think it was, I didn't think it was that terrible at the time because we weren't far in age and we both liked it. But now that I'm older, I see how fucked up and terrible I am and it terrifies me. He's about 17 now. My family is concerned because he seems to be attracted to me, but I'm too scared and ashamed to tell them what I did. And I'm too disgusted with myself and scared to talk to him about it. Um, So it sounds like she's about five years, five years older than him. Uh, Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I like the idea of being bitched. I like the idea of older people demeaning me sexually, but I also find myself attracted to young people too. Not children, but older teens that I know are still young. With that being said, I am extremely against the idea of anyone touching my body or pleasing me sexually. The only thing that can turn me on and get me off is watching gay, gay male porn. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to, I'm so sorry. What, if anything, do you wish for some? What, if anything, do you wish for to be done with this life? This is too heavy to bear anymore. Have you shared these things with others? Yes and no. I can't tell at all, but I've told some. How do you feel after writing these things down? Like a piece of shit. I feel dirty and anxious and sad and like crying, but I won't cry because I don't deserve any sympathy for my actions. Is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? Please don't be like me. Get help. a Parent. Tell a parent, a friend, a teacher, but don't let rampant, irrational sexual feelings and fantasies win. Well, first of all, I want to send you some some love and let you know that you are none of these things that you think about yourself. Um, You were a child. You were a child and you did what most, um, most if not many, um, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, what a lot of kids do that are being fucked with when they're kids. They turn around and they do it to somebody else. And you're judging yourself as if your the child version of you was a little adult. And I hope your therapist is going to help you walk through this because you are none of these things that you tell yourself that you are. You're not a piece of shit. And um, hopefully you're going to start to feel... Um, you're going to find the beauty that's always been inside of you that was that was there before people began to hurt you and hopefully you'll begin to learn to trust and to be vulnerable and your life will get back on track and you'll you'll look back um and you'll see how much you've grown if you just stick with it and i hope you do i hope you stick with it because you can change you can absolutely change most importantly how you feel about yourself um uh this is, oh, this is a, uh, an awfulsome moment that I got via email from, I uh, don't know how she wants me to, work, to refer to her, so I won't. Um, I'll just call her A. And uh, some moment. She writes, I work in a university and use a lab uh, a lot that has a laser cutter. There are all kinds of bits of projects hanging around. One day I was sweeping under a shelf and felt something stuck down there. I dislodged it and pulled it out. It was a piece of bright yellow plastic with the following words laser cut into it the sun has got its dick out and is playing with your mum's hair i sat there staring at it overcome with my own luck clearly the gods of comedy had blessed me um, and i was marveling at what i had done to deserve this amazing and hilarious gift i was also overcome with deciding where in my house i was going to hang it so many options suddenly the door opened and a co-worker walked in I held the yellow plastic thing up and said, excitedly, this is better than Christmas. And he said, oh, I made that. I said, you are a god of comedy. And hold on one second. I said, you are a god of comedy. And he said, not really. It was a quote from someone with Tourette's. It was part of an installation for a mental health charity about understanding Tourette's. Of course, I immediately felt like the world's biggest jackass for finding it so funny. I took it home anyway. It's hanging in my living room. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Um, This is a struggle in a sentence. And this is filled out by a woman who calls herself, It's My Bedtime. And she writes um, about her depression. Uh, In a classroom, walking down a busy street, sitting in a meeting at work, it has always felt as if every other person is in on some sort of secret to happiness and success and decided not to share it with me. Boy I did that one boy do I relate to that one. About her anxiety, the same feeling you get when you completely forgot to do a major assignment that is due in ten minutes constantly. About her bulimia. How fucked up is it? how fucked up is it? That when I find out someone I know struggles with bulimia, I feel like it's suddenly a competition because their bulimia might make them thinner than me. My God. About her love addiction. On top of the moment, on top of the world, the moment I meet you, oh, you have a girlfriend? Now I'm at rock bottom uh about sex addiction she writes does it count if the person i've been seeing for about 4 years has told me several times that he'll never love me and all he wants is sex and he made that clear gave me the option to leave but i'm a sucker for him even though i know it only hurts me i'd say yes i'd say yes that's sex and love addiction and then a snapshot from her life um she writes paul you were the first one to suggest to me that i might have a love addiction and at the time i didn't even know what that meant Um, I mean, I have gone my entire 23 years feeling used and words cannot express how grateful I am that you let me know I'm not just being a drama queen over a boy, but that my wounds are real. I've seen a therapist, but stopped going because I didn't like the way she wanted me to cope with my problems by looking at shapes and describing my feelings using colors. I stopped my meds because they were made me gain weight. I want so badly to go to a support group but you were right about the first thing so you're probably right about this one too. Yeah, there's there's lots of great support groups for sex addiction or love addiction or both and um uh and and I would suggest going back to a therapist who specializes in uh sex addiction or love addiction or both. That could be really really helpful uh for you. Uh, And then finally, uh, this is an awfulsome moment filled out by Marin, And she writes, I tried to kill myself. And this one's very bittersweet. Um, I tried to kill myself when I was about five. I grew up in an abusive, chaotic household. This is more of a, to me, this one isn't so much an awfulsome moment because it's not funny to me. um, But it's just, maybe I should have a third survey. Happy moments. Awfulsome moments and bittersweet moments because this one is is bittersweet. Oh my God, stop explaining. Stop. (sighs) I tried to kill myself when I was about five. I grew up in an abusive, chaotic household. I was on the school bus coming home and got the idea to try to choke myself with crayons since it seemed a preferable alternative to going home to my family. I broke the crayons in my bag into choking-sized pieces and pretty easily got a chunk of crayon lodged in my throat. An older kid, probably about 13, saw this and I cannot remember what he did exactly. Heimlich maneuver or slap me on the back, it happened so fast, I just remember a jerking sensation and the crayon flying out of my mouth. He sat with me all the way to my stop and was nice to me. I think he thought the choking was an accident. I didn't tell him it was on purpose. When we got to my stop, he carried me off the bus and over to my mom. I cried. It was the first time I ever really experienced empathy or compassion being directed at me and didn't even realize that it was a thing. Wow, let that one sink in. That's that's like something out of a movie. Well, I hope you got... uh, Some comfort or entertainment or insight or something from uh, from our episode today, and um, if you're struggling, I just encourage you to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And uh, if all you do is get through the day, napping every other hour, so be it. I think I have slept today about fourteen hours, maybe and i'm not beating myself up about it it's it's where i'm at my soul is uh sick or my brain is sick it's got the whatever whatever you want to call mental illness the flu and um it's the one thing in in the however many years i've been treating depression and anxiety and all this other stuff the one thing that I'm really happy I've learned is to be kind to myself. And um, certainly don't do it always, but um, I wish that for anybody out there that's being really hard on themselves. Yourselves? God, I'm so tired. Let's wrap this fucking thing up. Anyway, I just hope that you, you know that you're not alone and that there is help if you're willing to get out. I can't even speak. If you're willing to get out of your comfort zone, and ask for it. All right. Thank you for listening.
1: Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody I know weird is bizarrely wet. beautifully Everybody fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely wet. beautifully Everybody fucked up, up in some weird way.